0: Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. And as you do that, no worries. We're all looking at the table of contents right now trying to find Habakkuk. I cheated. I have a marker at that place in my Bible. Um, and by the way, it's spelled H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K. Um, so if you want to know what's Nate been doing for the last month in preparation for this sermon series, that is it trying to figure out how to spell Habakkuk. Hopefully we'll all know by the time the series is over. But we get to start this new series today. Um, It's entitled Deep Hope, Trusting God When You Don't Understand. And uh, our hope is that through these next five weeks across July, that we are going to consider how to wrestle with God in the complexities of life. And in that, we will learn how to move from from complaint and confusion and struggle to a place of trust. And we do that by fixing our eyes on our sovereign, good, just God. Uh, Two things to start. First, a challenge and some background. A challenge, first of all. I would love to challenge us as a faith family over this next Five weeks to read through the book of Habakkuk together once a week. And before you freak out on me, it is three chapters long and there are 56 verses. All right. So it's what I envision is you could read maybe Monday, Wednesday and Friday. You read one chapter each day. The chapters take like two to three minutes to read if you're a slower reader, which I am. And I timed it. So I imagine... Imagine for us if for, for a month, we together soaked up this book of the Bible, like reading it and praying through it and applying it and sitting under the, the teaching from it. Like by the end of this month, we would know this book as a faith family. And not only that, hopefully, we'll have been transformed by it. Okay, so that's my challenge in that. If you're here and you're like, okay, I like digging in deep. Do you have any other resources that we could go through? Yes, I have a few resources that you you can go through. You might be here and you might be going, Nate. you just asked me to read through a book of the Bible five times. Like, and you want me to read other things? Nope, nope. If that's you and you're like, that's a big challenge, stay in the word of God. Like, you won't do wrong there. But there are some of us who like to read, who like to dig in a lot, there are some of us in here who have probably read through Habakkuk five times just while I've been talking. And you're like, give me something else to read. So here's a couple options. Uh, the first one is Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. It deals with lament, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. But if you don't read another book in your life, read Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. It is that good. Like the Lord has used it incredibly um, in the lives of many of you in our faith family and in my own life, even personally. Also, more devotional dealing with lament is a sacred sorrow, which would be a, a good one to go through. A prayer is gonna be a big topic here in Habakkuk. And uh, what if you, what if Jesus was serious about prayer from sky is just fabulous. If you're like me and you need lots of pictures to illustrate things, that's the book for you. Go through that, lots of pictures. And then the last one was one of the most profound books I've ever read, not for the faint of heart, though, Spectacular Sins by John Piper, where he deals with how can a good, just, righteous God even use in his sovereignty the sinful actions of mankind to accomplish his perfect purposes. So if you want to dig deep, here are some good resources. We can do that. So that's the challenge. Next, background. What do we know about Habakkuk. Well, actually, we know very little. Uh, here's what we know. Uh, we know he's a prophet. And we know that because in the first line, it tells us he's a prophet. Um, after that, we know that it probably took place sometime between 590-ish B.C. and 610 B.C. And we know that because of what we're going to read today in the first 11 verses, that it happens sometime prior and leading up to The Babylonian invasion and captivity of Judah. And other than that, that's about all we know. And so what does that tell us? That tells us that we are meant to jump into this as a faith family and to learn and to grow through it. So that's exactly what we're going to do. First 11 verses of chapter 1 today. Father, if you would please open our eyes so that we might see wondrous things from your word, Lord. Open our eyes so that we might marvel and worship you in a greater way. Open our eyes and work by the power of your spirit in us to change us into your likeness as we go through this book of the Bible. Your word over this next month. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, verse 1 of chapter 1, here we go. Uh, The oracle or the message, or this could actually be translated, the burden that Habakkuk the prophet saw. paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Verse five, look, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded for I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. They all come for violence all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings, they scoff. At rulers, they laugh. They laugh at every fortress for they pile up dirt and then take it. And then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. Three questions that I would love for us to ask from this passage here this morning. The first question is this. Where do we turn first? Where do we turn first? Where do we turn first when we don't understand? When we have questions, when we're confused or tired or angry or frustrated or sorrowful? Where is your first inclination to run when you are struggling. Me, uh, I'm a stress eater. So where I typically turn first when I'm struggling is uh, chocolate and cherry Coke. And not just any chocolate, like I will look for chocolate cake, like a good healthy portion with some good vanilla bean ice cream right there on top of it, melting over it. That's that's where I turn. And then the largest cherry Coke I can find, typically out of a fountain and with crushed ice. And uh, they know around the office that sometimes Nate just disappears and then he reappears and he's got a giant Coke in his hand. And if that happens, they should know that it's typically not well with my soul. Something has gone wrong. Uh, Two people in my family, when they are struggling, they turn towards cleaning and organizing. Not me. Uh, Amy wishes I turned to those things when I was struggling, but I don't. So if I come home and I'm having a hard time finding things and it smells like Clorox, like things have gone horribly wrong during that day. And I need to be very aware of that as I walk into the house. And you might think, uh, okay, Nate, those are pretty silly in- illustrations, but don't, don't be too quick to laugh at them because it's really less about the what and it's it's really more about what's going on down inside of you as you turn to these things when you're struggling. What's happening in your soul? And whether you tend to turn to to work when you're struggling, or to alcohol. Whether you run to Amazon or pornography, whether you run to Netflix or or gossip or self-harm or video games, whether you choose to run to, to food or the gym, I mean, ultimately, it's all idolatry. It's looking for comfort and control and escape and answers where it's not ultimately found. It's a a cheap, unsatisfying substitute for God. And where where we turn when things are hard, it really, at the root, it shows us what we are worshiping. And here's what's amazing. Look here in this passage at verse 2. Habakkuk chooses to run to God. That's where he goes. The first two words there in the ESV and if you've got a, another English translation it's probably very close behind it. They're this. It's O oh Lord. Lord help. When you are desperate, do you run to the Lord? When you need answers, do you turn to him? When we're confused or angry, is it him that we cry out to? For many of you this morning, this may be the the actual hardest first step of faith that you need to take. You need to actually turn to the Lord for help. You need to turn away from all of those things that you've been looking for, for satisfaction and for help and for answers. And you need to turn to the one who can ultimately give you the correct answers. And you need to allow, and we need to allow, the hard things of life to drive us to God and not all of the cheap substitutes. Habakkuk says, I will turn to the Lord first. Oh, Lord, where do you turn? Where do you turn? Uh, Pastor Doug last week talks about talked about a trying rather than training, right? He says stop trying and instead start training. So in your life, what do you need to do? What's a really practical, tangible step for you that you need to um, do in your life that will help you remember to turn to the Lord First, For me this week, it was as simple as writing the word turn on my arm. (laughs) So that every time I looked down to check the time, I was reminded, turn to the Lord first. This minute, every minute, in this thing and everything. When I was tempted to reach for those keys to drive an unholy distance at $5 a gallon to get a giant cherry Coke someplace, I was reminded, hey, are you turning to this for your satisfaction, for your comfort, for your ease, for your... Help in time of need, or are you turning to the Lord first? Oh, that we would be a church who says, first and foremost, we will always turn to God when we need his help. When we are struggling, where do you turn first? Second question that I want to ask us this morning is, are we honest with God? Are we honest with God? Look there at verse 2. It says, oh, Lord. And he follows that with, how long? How long, Lord? A couple things that these two words, how long, tell us. The first thing is that this is not the first time that he's cried out to God this way. Um, there has been a time in Habakkuk's life of sustained petition to God. And, and we don't know from here necessarily that, that God whether or not God has answered him previously, it seems like the answer would be no, because he says, how long shall I cry for help and you'll not hear me? You won't answer me. So this isn't the first time Habakkuk's turned. He he keeps turning. He doesn't give up turning. He continues to press into the one that he knows can, can answer him. The second thing that these two words how long tell us is they tell us that this is introducing what we call a biblical Lament a biblical lament, Uh, the psalms. There's a lot of psalms that are patterned after a lament. Psalm 13, Psalm 10, Psalm 22 are some of the ones that we hear the most. And you might be like, well, what's a lament, Nate? Here's what a lament is. Um, It is raw, humble, honest conversation with God about the brokenness in this world and in my life that cultivates in us a deeper trust in him it's it's honest real conversation with god about brokenness the brokenness of the world and the and of the church and in our own lives that doesn't stay there in brokenness but rather cultivates in us, this deeper trust in God. And we're going to see this in Habakkuk. He starts by doing the first thing that he should do. He turns to the Lord and then he cries out how long he's in this place of despair over what we're going to see in this next section. But, but hopefully over the next five weeks is what we'll see is he doesn't stay in that place of despair. He allows this honest conversation with God to drive him further into God. And it moves him out of despair to this place of deep hope. That's what these words, how long, tell us. So he starts, oh Lord, he turns to him. How long? He continues here with his honesty. Or you could say his complaint. Uh, The heading in my Bible says Habakkuk's complaint. What's he complaining about? Well, look down There at verses two through four. Look at the things he's saying. I cry to you, violence, in in verse two. Verse three, iniquity, destruction, strife, contention. Verse four, the law is paralyzed, there's injustice. The wicked surround and outnumber and stifle the righteous, and justice goes forth perverted. He's frustrated here at evil and sin that are running rampant. And a really interesting thing about this is, this is specifically the evil and sin that are running rampant within God's people. And we know that because of what it's going to say here in the next in the next verses, he's, he's lamenting the sin of Judah. And specifically focusing in on that, we, we tend sometimes to be so quick to jump to the sins of the world. And don't get me wrong. The sin and the evilness and the brokenness of our world is lamentable. And Habakkuk will, will get there, but he doesn't start there. Man, why? Sometimes I think we're, we're so surprised that people who, who don't love God or even acknowledge him refuse to follow his ways. Of course they would. But what's really sad is when his people don't follow his ways. Are we so concerned about sin within within God's people that that we lament and we talk to God about that and say, Lord, how long? How long will there be immorality and greed and violence in your church? how long will we be so creative at the ways that we justify idolatry and slander and impatience and how long will there be so much fighting and most most of all are we are we concerned primarily about all of that in our own life how long lord will Will I have to continue to battle this sin in my life? How long will I be so selfish as a husband and a a father? How long will will pride just well up within me? How long will I struggle with faithlessness and a a critical spirit? Oh, that we would be quick to repent for the part that we actually play in our own laments. Not only, not only is Habakkuk frustrated about the evil and sin that are running rampant here in, in Judah, he's confused. Because it it seems as if God's doing nothing about it. Look there again at verses two through four. Just kind of scan down through there and see the kind of things he's saying. Like in, in verse two, he's like, you're not listening, God. You're not answering my prayers. You've not... Deliver to us, verse three. You make me see this. You're idly watching as all of this is happening, God. When I first read this, I was like, Yikes! Like, can I talk to God like that? Is that okay? But throughout Habakkuk, we see that he's he's never chastised. He's never corrected for approaching God honestly. This doesn't seem to be irreverent in nature. It's not this unbridled, angry, venting to God. He's simply being honest with him. Listen to me, God, God welcomes our questions and our confusion, and our pains, and our struggles. He doesn't doesn't ask us to to stuff those things down where they'll never see the light of day. But instead, he he invites us to talk with him about it. Like, we will never grow in our depth of understanding of God if we run from the hard stuff. And sometimes I think we're afraid to talk to him. We're afraid to ask because we're afraid of the answer that we'll get. And I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I'm afraid my faith will be too weak to handle what he is going to say when he answered. But it's in our, our turning to him and our honesty with him that we actually begin to exercise our faith. And if we avoid difficult questions, if we pretend like they don't exist, we're going we're to miss out on, on the intimacy of a relationship that's cultivated with him when we're willing to be honest and ask. Like, there's hope in this. We don't have to clean up our prayers to be nice and tidy in order to approach him. Like, why, Nate? How do you know that? Because of the cross. The cross frees us to wrestle honestly with God. Why? Because we have a great high priest. Because of his finished work on the cross, Hebrews 4 tells us that we can with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is like, I've already died for you so that you can approach me and be honest with me and find grace to help. Are you being honest with God? in your pain, in your struggle and in your questions? Like, here's what's amazing. Like he already knows. <laughs> He knows you're struggling. He knows your questions. He knows the difficulties that you're facing. He already knows. And he says, just bring them to me. Turn to me. Be honest with me. Allow me to help. I am your God, your Savior. Are you being honest with him? Third question that I want us to ask from this text this morning is this. Do we trust do we trust that God is always working? Do we trust that God is always working? Look down at verse five here. This is where the text changes and it goes from Habakkuk talking to God and now the Lord answering him. Verse five says, look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. Why? Because I'm doing a work in your day, Habakkuk, that you would not believe even if I told you. Look, see, wonder, be astonished. I'm doing a work that you wouldn't even believe. A couple things about God in this, in this verse here. First, how amazing that God answers. I mean, how gracious that the God of the universe would stoop to hear and to answer his people. I mean, Habakkuk has had, in these first few verses, a really hard conversation with the Lord. And the Lord responds. He answers him. God still answers his people. The God of the universe still hears and responds to his people. One of our favorite passages around here is in Psalm 34. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces will, will never be ashamed. Why? Because this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. How amazing. The God of the universe says, "I will work on your behalf, and I hear you, and I answer you cry out to me." God answers. The other thing it's interesting here is that he then goes on and he warns Habakkuk that he's going to have trouble getting this. <laughs> I love that. I'm doing a work in your days, and you will not even believe it even if I told you. <laughs> We we typically want all the blanks filled in on life, don't we? Like all the answers to all of our questions now. And God's like, well, you still won't even be able to understand it fully, even if I tell you. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because he's God, and we're not. It's Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. There's this other thing. Here's what's really cool. God still graciously lays out his plan for Habakkuk. Even though he's like, listen, I'm doing a work. You're not even going to be able to understand. But here you go. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And he pulls back the curtain just a little and gives Habakkuk this glimpse into his work. It's like the Lord's saying, Fine, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm not blind. I do hear. I will deliver. I'm not idle. I'm working. I'm always working, Habakkuk. I'm working while you are sleeping. <laughs> and here's what I'm going to do. Verse six He says, For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. That's what I'm doing. I'm raising up this people, a bitter, hasty nation, seizes things not their own. They're dreaded and they're fearsome and their justice and dignity is is a definition that they make up themselves. Their horses are swift. They're violent. They laugh at rulers They're guilty men who worship their own strength. That's what I'm doing, Hapakic. I'm going to discipline my people. I'm not idle. I do see what's happening here. And I'm going to discipline them. And I'm going to use the Chaldeans to do it. God is holy. Isaiah chapter 6 says he is holy, holy, holy. What's that mean? It means that he is set apart. He's other than. He's unique in all of his perfections and transcendent over it all. It means that he's beyond our simple explanations and he works in this world, in this universe, according to his perfection and his wisdom. And as, as finite human beings, we typically only see a fraction of what he's actually doing. Uh, John Piper said it this way. He said, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of like three of them. How true. I think often we we underestimate and fail to grasp the awesomeness of what God is doing at any given time. A few years ago, uh, we got to go with a group of students down to uh, Guatemala to serve there. And while we were down there, we served throughout the week. The last day came, we had some free time, and they actually took us to do a tour of a coffee farm, which if you've never got the opportunity to do that, it is amazing. My mind was blown at how little I knew about how coffee is made and harvested and and developed and then packaged and brought to different places around the world. I mean, we came in there like, hey, this is where we plant, you know, put the plants and um, we plant these trees and these other plants around them. And the, way that we, the reason we do that is because these trees take out these harmful things out of the soil. And these trees help add things into the soil that, that messes with the, the flavor of the coffee. And men, when men work with the coffee plants, they have to wear gloves. Because the oils on men's hands, it, it gets on the plants. And it will make the beans bitter. ha <laughs> of course <laughs> and it was like but but ladies we let them work with the plants and we encourage them to work with the plants without gloves because there's things that come off ladies hands that make the plants happy and they grow better and and they and it tastes better i'm like that's a parable for life <laughs> um, and it's, like, so amazing. And then they're, like, and it's, and they're planted between, like, 1,500 and 3,000 feet above elevation. Because that's the perfect place for this to be cultivated and for them to grow. And then, and then they sort out the beans, like, from, from least good to best. And these go in Folgers. <laughs> Don't drink Folgers. Ah. And these go to Starbucks and these go to Cabin Coffee. <laughs> like and then like sort it all out and then that's just growing them then they then they like vacuum seal them and have to price them accordingly and then ship it out around the world. And I'm like, man, all I was doing was trying to get a shot of caffeine in the morning. It's like it was amazing the complexities that went into that. Now think for a moment. Now imagine how much greater the complexities of our universe. And if you, you've forgotten that, just go home and watch a little bit of National Geographic or, or turn on the evening news. It is so complex. And God, the God of the universe, is working in and through it all to bring about his perfect purposes for his glory and for our good. And he's like, listen, Habakkuk, listen, church, I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe, even if I told you. And right here in this immediate, the immediate context, the work that he's doing is he's going to discipline his people. Like, he's going to do this work of discipline, and he's going to use the Babylonians to do it. But the ultimate thing that this is all working towards, that it has been working towards since before the foundations of the earth, and that it will continue to work towards, is redemption. And he's like, Habakkuk, like, I'm doing a work. And ultimately, that work is to accomplish redemption, and it will culminate in the person and the life, and the death, and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm doing things you don't even understand. And in Matthew chapter 16, we see Jesus with his disciples. And Jesus takes a moment, and he pulls back that curtain just a little bit for his disciples to see. And he's like, hey guys, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to let you get a glimpse into what I'm doing. Overall, you're not even going to understand it, even if I told you. But here's a glimpse. I'm going to suffer I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to raise from the dead. That's what I'm going to do. Trust me. See, wonder, be astounded at our God and how he is working in and through everything for his glory and our God. Where do you turn first? Oh Lord, that it would be you. Are we being honest with God? Or are we wrestling with him on the surface? And and we're worshiping ourselves and trying to work through it all on our own. Or are we taking it to him? Do we recognize, do we trust? I'll say this, do we rest in the fact that he is sovereign and he is at work in ways that we can't even fathom because he is God and we are not? Uh, As the worship team comes, I would love for us to end this way this morning. Um, What are you struggling with? What are you struggling with today? What, what in your life maybe have you failed to take to God? Or maybe, or maybe it's something in your life that you need to continue taking to him. What do you need to be honest about with him? What do you need to lament? What is your how- Long, Lord. How long will this suffering continue? How long will it seem like you're not answering this prayer? How long will I battle this sin? How long will this child continue to walk away from you? How long, Lord? Here's what I would love for us to do this morning. For the next couple minutes, you, right there in your seat, with the Lord, Turn to him. Cry out to him. Have an honest conversation with him about that thing that you know that you're struggling with, even right now, today. How long, Lord? How long?